Welcome everybody. This is the very first episode of I Don't Know Much, but uh, my name is Mike Jones. And I'm Carrie Ann Stevens. And we are going to be your podcast host for what is, is going to be, we're going to do six, aren't we initially? Yeah, just give it a, give it a trial run, see if give we it, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, see whether you lovely people out there are actually listening to it, because yeah. at the moment we could be talking to absolute thin air and not just each other. Yeah. Um, but if you like it, if you enjoy it, get in touch, let us know, and we'll do more of these. Yeah. So the premise of the show, because we've been, me and Carrie have known each other for... Mm. A year. Yeah, yeah, it's it coming up for a year. about a year now coming up to. Yeah. And we've been doing youth work. Yeah. And when the little angels aren't driving us completely to start raking, raking bonkers, <laughs> um, we got chatting about our, our backgrounds and our histories and the stuff we were into, and you kind of realise that we've all got yeah. a bit of a story, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we came up with this, with this idea, and I will credit the name of the show in a moment to my lovely Ruth who actually said because we always used to make a joke of the song because we used to sing the song to each other yeah (laughs) it's a great song to be fair (laughs) so it was like off the back of that just that sort of like messing around with a silly song it was like oh you know what wouldn't that be a great name yeah for a show I don't know much but because we were thinking yeah we've Mm -hmm. all got a story we've all got a background we've all got a history yeah we've got hobbies we've got interests stuff that we're into it just opens it up a little bit more doesn't it from you know one conversation yeah and then we'll have different people in both realize we're very different people we're very different backgrounds yeah and i don't for those of you who are listening right now going i recognize those dulcet tones You might know me from such things as... You might know me from certain cigar <laughs> Go on, Mike. Tell us where we know you from. So I had um, a podcast called Wolfstock. Mm-hmm. Um, over lockdown, I started this, which originally came out as uh, Tales from a Home Worker. That's how I originally labelled yeah. it. That's, that was its original yeah. title. Because you sent them to me, didn't you? And I was listening to them while I was making eggs one morning. <laughs> Just, I don't know why that... But that's what I remember. But I enjoyed it. It was good. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, there's a man with a voice. Yeah. He's got a face for radio, but he's definitely got a voice. <laughs> there's a man who can actually get me speaking yeah. into a microphone. And we have, yeah. we have behind yeah. behind the, the microphone conversations like you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there they shall stay. And there they shall stay. <laughs> what happens in a youth work room stays in a youth work room. Oh, God. Um, so I did the Wolfstag podcast, which... I'm thinking about bringing that one back, but that's for another mm. time. Right now, we're concentrating on this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had an idea to do this podcast. I've got stories, Carrie's got stories, but it's not just going to be about me and her because every week we're going to have guests. And over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to have different people coming in, talking about their different uh, experiences, life experiences, yeah. hobbies, interests. You know, it, could be, it could be literally anything. Anything. <laughs> Absolutely ah, anything. Absolutely anything. How dangerous. It, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? But as a springboard to a conversation, it could be uh, it could be a good laugh. Yeah, it will be. Definitely, definitely. So we're going to have sport and healing and all sorts of different things, aren't we? Up yeah. for debate as well, not just, you know, this oh. is how this works, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Because we like a good, we, what we love is a good conversation, don't we? We love a good conversation. None of us, none of us come to be experts no. in anything. 
Um, and we're not here to give advice. I think that's the thing here. We're not. <laughs> Absolutely we, not. We are in no position <laughs> to be giving anybody advice. No. But if you, if you walk away from this having your eyes open to something yeah. or being enlightened by something or it starts a bit of a journey or, yeah. or you disagree and go, actually, do you know what? That's not my experience. Then great. Put your answers on a postcard. Do you send them in? (laughs) On a postcard too. Well, fully yeah, funny enough, address where are we where are we recording from today is an incredible place. So we are we're Cheshire based. Yeah. Um for those of you not in England listening to this, which is possible, Mm -hmm. international listeners, welcome all. Um Cheshire is a county in the northwest of England, where we're both from. Carrie's a little bit more proper Cheshire. Do you think? I'm a little bit more plastic, aren't I? Well, I'd say you sound a little bit scouse. Yeah, I do. Are you from that neck of the woods? I'm from a town called Ellesmere Port, which sits on the Mersey. Oh, yeah, so a little bit. So from Ellesmere Port, you can see Liverpool. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a Merseysider at yeah. the end of the day. Technically, the county is Cheshire. Ellesmere Port sits in the same yeah. um, body of water as Liverpool, as Roncorn, as Birkenhead. Yeah. So we are all Merseysiders together. Um, but yeah, Cheshire is uh, Cheshire is our county, and there's a great location, and that's where we're recording from today. It's a place called Safety Central. Google it, find out about it. It's just off Nutsford Services. It's amazing. It's a, it's a fab fab place, isn't it? It's like a movie set. What were yeah. you like the first time you came around here? Ooh, ah, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. Like, it really is. It reminds me of um, when you go to Disneyland or somewhere like that and they've got the sets made up. Yeah. That's what it's like. It's a bit like Corrie, isn't it? If you do one of those. Yes. Behind the scenes tour tours, yeah. Things. Yeah. And, and having lived in the area pretty much all my life, apart from when I moved away for a few years, no idea it was here. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. So it's working fire station. Firefighters are next door. Yeah. They're on call. So I'm, I'm in, and I'm introducing the place now because there's every possibility. <laughs> An alarm might go off, a call might come in, and off they they shoot yeah. to to rescue somebody. Um, and you know, good on them because obviously it's just fantastic work that they do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they've allowed us to, to to use it as a as a recording studio for yeah. for the evening for the next few weeks. So this is where we are recording from yeah. uh, over at Safety Central. So so yeah, I've done a podcast before. I work in youth work. Um, I work an awful lot around uh, mental health and digital safety, safeguarding, stuff like that. But I've had an interesting journey with, with mental health myself. And in one of our upcoming episodes, um, it's going to be me and it's going to be talking about that. Um, but for today's episode, we're actually going to be interviewing one and only <laughs> the very <laughs> illustrious... <laughs> What an introduction. Thank you so much, Mike. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll get on to what, why you want to talk about it in yeah. a moment. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about you. Tell me about you. Tell me about you. Well, it's similar to you, really, um, working with children. That's how we met. So we work um, we on the Spotlight Project. And then um, I had a bit of a career change. So for years and years, I worked, lived abroad and worked as a dancer. And then... Um, can I just jump in? It? You can I've, go on. I've purposely, over the time I've known Carrie, yeah. since we said <laughs> we were going to do this podcast and each of us might be guests on the podcast, yeah. I've purposely not asked you questions. So when we got to recording, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get little moments He's like, like this. What? 
Like what? Say what? Say what? So right, yeah. okay. Tell us about this. Tell us about that. So, um, oh God, I feel like I need to go all the way back. So when I went to university, you don't think he was there then, to be honest? Oh, it's not. No. Oh, so we right? Okay. I'll yeah. Shut up, you talk. So <laughs> this is so we're going back to like year two thousand, maybe. So a long time ago. Now I'm showing the age. Um, And I was on a break from university, went to Ibiza to work as a dancer for the summer and never went back to university. Met my husband, had a baby, lived there for five years, Um, which is kind of where the story doesn't start, but it is kind of where the, the seed was sown about retraining as a PT and working in the mental health sector and dealing with sort of trauma and all that type of stuff. So what were you studying in university? <laughs> Something completely different. Yeah. You're getting a picture now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was doing a business management with travel and a, a side of Spanish. Right. Yeah. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Very okay. random. Very random. Very random. Mm. Now this is, this is bizarre, right? Because yeah. I've got a similar story. Mm-hmm. I started my first year of university studying psychology. Yeah. Got a job in the summer. Not as glamorous a thing as going off to be a dancer. Don't Ibiza. lie, Mike. Nobody, yes, you were. Yes, nobody you were. Needs, nobody wants to watch this. In chats. <laughs> oh. My eyes. Yeah. My eyes. <laughs> There'll be some footage somewhere. Yeah, what I'm really, yeah, the, yeah, don't even know that. The problem is, no, no, I come from an era where stuff wasn't recorded. Yeah, yeah actually, so did I. Yeah, it wasn't much. Yeah, if you'd gone into a nightclub with a video yeah. camera, you were carrying that thing on your shoulder. Massive, yeah. yeah. So all, all our all our mistakes are yeah, nobody did that. Listed in history. Now I went. I joined a bank. It's it's like joining the circus in reverse, isn't mm, it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. That's exactly right. Yeah, I I joined a massive American bank on the outskirts of Chester and stayed there for seven years. Ended up with a fifteen year fifteen year career in, in business and finance. So I kind of worked in what you were studying in. Yeah, randomly. Randomly. But it, that was a interestingly, that was a knee jerk reaction to you know life events that that made me sort of go oh i need to do something immediately yeah and um, because before that i'd gone to america with channel five and filmed a tv show so. oh, what what <laughs> what what yeah it gets worse okay what was the so TV many show? layers to this yeah but if i say it then people go and look it up right you can tell me after <laughs> sorry boys and girls it's but nothing, you're not getting it's nothing that. mucky <laughs> <laughs> um, attraction wasn't happening no it's nothing like that um it was we just worked on a ranch it was very S Club 7-ish. So, like, there was a, a group of teenagers. Okay. We all went to work on a ranch, um, but we were in performing arts because at, at A-level college, I did dance. Right. Um, and then Which kind of makes sense. You didn't just decide one day, I'm packing in business studies and I'm going to dance. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could have happened like With that. With no experience <laughs> whatsoever. That probably would have been something that I would have done. But, yeah, no, there was, a, <laughs> to be fair, there was a bit of a, you know, a mental and physical stage to get me there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that all, all those sorts of things, um, that led me to what I'm doing now with the mind body balance Academy and working with the kids and, uh, with people in addiction, because yeah. I know that's what we're going to be talking about once we've gone back and come forward, yeah. um, all sort of stemmed from, from coming from a family where there was addiction. Yeah. Um, and I think that in many ways it did me a favor in that I was never scared of taking a chance. So uh, in many ways, when I was younger, I was like, okay, so I, 
I want to go there yeah. and I want to go for that audition or I want to go to London I don't, and I just did it because I mean I'd, I think that does come from that being in that sort of environment maybe yeah where you aren't comfortable so yeah. you are out of your comfort zone anyway <laughs> so it's a case of see and that whole thing you say stuff like that to me and for me and this is this is why we kind of get on so well because that is completely alien yeah like the, you know me at your age was never that yeah it took me a long long time to find that bravery yeah um whereas i think i went in reverse i was very brave when i was younger very brave and then i had a bit of a wobble maybe i don't know 30s when we'd moved back from ibiza yeah with two kids um and i had to get what i would call a normal job yeah. you know <laughs> fit yeah. into that box um and, and that's when I actually started to realize, oh, hang on a minute, I've got some interesting traits here as an adult. Uh, why am I like this? Why can't I cope very well in, you know, like an office environment, for example, or if if the boss wanted to have like a, a decent conversation with me about, it wasn't even a bad conversation, but I did not like conflict, things like that. So, and that's when I started to think, oh, hang on, I need to look back yeah. um, about my upbringing and all that sort of stuff. So it kind of went full circle, but I was really bolshy as a teenager. Um, Were you? Yeah, I was. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was very confident, outwardly very confident. Actually, no, I think I was confident. I was confident. I mean, I suppose you I have to have like been a drama school bracket. No, no, definitely not. But I was always very, very driven. So it, one of my best friends will laugh when she listens to this because. I used to go and sit at her house um, quite regularly to escape the chaos that sometimes ensued at home. Yeah. Um, and she would laugh because I would get the atlas out and just sit there and route map where I could go. <laughs> just Clearly, I was thinking about escaping then, but yeah. I obviously couldn't do it. Um, and it used to entertain me for hours. She'd, she'd be like, you come here and read the atlas or you fall asleep on the sofa. But that was my safe haven, you know to be at her house yeah and yeah yeah exactly and I was you know really really um self-motivated to you know get my grades at school and go and do my A-levels and do all this travel and stuff I went to work in Cyprus on my own um one year I remember my mum crying because I was like I've just booked a flight to Cyprus (laughs) she's like what (laughs) (laughs) on my own um so yeah I always had that in me and actually now I'm looking back I'm glad that I was like that because I've had loads of life experiences and I wouldn't be, you know. Wouldn't be where you are now. No, I wouldn't. And um, I very often like, think to myself, why was I like that? But actually, I do think it was from my upbringing. So as much as it was chaotic at times and, you know, sometimes very stressful living with my mum who was alcoholic, um, I do think you get not always good coping mechanisms, I would yeah. say, you know, because we bury a lot of things sometimes to get through. But it did make me really resilient, you know, in terms of going, doing stuff. Yeah. And now we're going to get on to, because you are going to be the topic of this week's uh, podcast. Yeah. With, with that, that situation that you've grown up in. Yeah. But tell me now, Mind Body Balance Academy, what's that? What do you do? Yeah. What, what's that all about? How do people get in touch with you if, if they want to, if they're interested and they go, wow, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, How yeah. do I do that? How do you do it? Um, well, I set up Mind Body Balance Academy 
about three years ago, but it had been in the pipeline for a long time, but I had to retrain as a personal trainer um, to try and work with people who were in recovery from addiction or suffering with some form of mental health, because I knew from personal experience how important exercise is um, in terms of your well-being, um, in building the community, which I'll come on to um, in a little while, but just going back to why it started. So when I um, had my first child in Ibiza, I had real bad postnatal depression, like it was terrible, but the support there just, you know, there was language barrier and all the rest of it. And I remember putting him in his pram um, and my mum had died the year before. So I was very much on my own. My dad had flown over a couple of times, bless him, um, but he had to go home and Craig had to work. So I'd be on my own with this baby. I was only 20, so I was baby myself really. Yeah. Put him in his pram because I couldn't get my breath, you know, like anxiety, but I didn't know what that's what it was then. Yeah. And I used to power walk around the bay with him. And I noticed that when I got to the end of the bay after power walking, I could breathe, which sounds really, really like random, but I, I like saw the link. I was like, oh, this is the only time in the day that I can actually breathe. Yeah. And at that point, and going back some years, aren't we? Um, yeah, many years, <laughs> 20 years, um, that, that, that sort of um, sort of set a spark in my brain. So like, ah, oh, actually, this exercise is really good for you. Obviously, I've been working as a dancer and I'd always danced from a young age. Um, so I knew the benefits, but I didn't really understand mentally the benefits of it. Um, and then it just took me years and years and years to set up Mind Body Balance Academy because kids, normal jobs, you know, all the bills to pay and all the yeah. rest of it. Um, and what I wanted to do when I set it up was to work with people in recovery to get them active, to build routine into their week, because it's really important to socialize uh, with people who are also in recovery, build another support network around, you know, your 12 step programs and all those different things. Um, and give some, give them a place that was just for them, you know, where the the stigma stays outside yeah. it's you know they come in and they can talk or they can do as much or as little as they want and so in uh, i think it was 2021 i got in touch with sport england and they supported the first pilot and then it kind of grew from there so we're on instagram at the moment for people who want to come and and we are growing so now to, um, working with other boxing gyms and we're starting to look at um starting sessions for children of alcoholics um having obviously been one myself you're never not one <laughs> um that's really important to me as well. So I want to create a space where children can come maybe with the parents or maybe not where they can be heard. Does it have to be recovery from alcoholism or can it be any recovery from any addiction? Yeah, it can be recovery, recovery from any addiction. And we do get people who, you know, maybe use both substances um, as alcohol or drugs. Yeah. Um, sometimes we get people who do just come in because they're, um, you know, they're not necessarily addicted to alcohol, but they misuse it a little bit. Yeah. And they know that they're probably drinking too much. So they come because their mental health's plummeted. Um, and then we always say, you know, you can bring family members as well because it's a very, very much a family disease. Yeah. So it's not just the person who drinks that suffers. It's everybody in the, you know, in the house. So we always say, if you want to bring, um, you know, your friends, your family for support. I mean, we've had people come in and bring the, the kids um, and that's absolutely fine. You know, we welcome it. Um, we're all safeguarded and DBS checked and the like. Um, and then it's sort of branched out into working with you with the kids, yeah. getting them fit, yeah. you know. Um, and although we don't stipulate, do we, that it's specifically for children of alcoholics in that group, yeah. you just never know. You don't, and that's been the journey with us is, yeah. is 
and I was there from a mental health capacity and you've very, you've got very different children coming through the door, but also very similar by the fact that they all bring their own little bit of baggage with them. Yeah. And each of their own little bit of baggage is something that they're not getting help with somewhere else. Exactly. You know, it's a bit of an eye opener, isn't it? To, it is. um, to, to, to see through their eyes and share their experiences yeah. and hopefully. And it is massive, that support. Guide them. Because yeah. I think we, I think as practitioners and facilitators, we probably underestimate it sometimes, the service that we deliver. Because I know going back and being a child of an alcoholic, or and you know, and at, at times um, it it's, it's can, can be quite lonely because you, people don't know, or they do know, but they don't know what to do, and all those types of things. And um, if you get that one good teacher or uh, a family friend who you know notices something not quite right and gives you that safe space, you know, you can stay ours tonight, or you can. You know, it gives you a bit of respite. Yeah. Uh, it, it really does matter. Um, and so you just never know when somebody sort of confides in you or, or even if they don't confide in you, if they, you can gauge when somebody's like trusting in you, can't you? And then yeah. they start to open up. So that's the kind of driving force behind it. And it's not really, it was never a case of like wanting to rescue people because you, you simply cannot do that. You know, it no. was more a case of providing a service um a service that we lack we lack it in society yeah because you mentioned the word before didn't you stigma yeah and i think it's one of those anybody with a with an addiction mm-hmm. is stigmatized yeah because it's self-inflicted yeah. it's your own fault yeah yeah it's selfish that's all yeah. the words that we yeah. hear they think it's a moral addiction. failing yeah a lot of people you know and it, it's very shaky ground when people start talking about it and i'm like listening you know and i'm always intrigued to see how people view it um but the 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 fact of the matter is you know it doesn't it it affects everyone you know every walk of society everybody you know we've we've had people 65 75 right down to 18 come through my classes um you know they've they've come in and they're all struggling in their own way and it's that's just life You you can't you can't judge someone by the fact that they're struggling you know, very often there's some trauma, you know, underneath that's that's not been sorted out. I know with my mum, um, there was definitely trauma that was unresolved that just kind of snowballed, you know, and then before you know it, you've got a, a nasty mix of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were prescription drugs, but nonetheless, you know, if you are self-medicating to remove pain from your life, you know, you get to the point where, well, she died from liver failure in the end. That was yeah. what, you know, what, what took her in the end. So I think there is a little bit of a, a thing in me that wants to offer support, but in a different way to the to the normal 12-step programmes. And how anybody listening to this now, mm-hmm. this, this affects and touches them some way, wants to know more about it, how do they get in touch? So via um, my Instagram page, at mindbodybalance, um, or um, e- my Google mail, Gmail, um, mindbodybalance. Um, those yeah, the, yeah, the put podcast. them on. Yeah, um, um, and then we can they can come along and see the services. And as I say, we're hoping to branch out and do more work um, in different areas around Cheshire, um, because there's there's actually there's not a lot of services like that, you know, that are specifically for people with addiction. Um, and it's kind of my life's work. And then that that led me into working in the hospital as well. You know, I like seeing people. 
You're very much a people person, aren't you? I am. But I am a double-edged sword because I am, but I'm also not. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I really like people, but I also don't. Um, See, this is is where we get on because the more more and more we talk, we realise that we are introverts in an extrovert world. Yeah. And in an extrovert career. Yeah. And that's kind of really quite contrary, isn't it? It is. I do question myself sometimes, yeah. <laughs> daily. Yeah, why, why are you doing this? Why are you why? like this? Why, 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 like why this? are you doing it? Exactly, yeah. because there's there's this part of me that, well, it's taken me until now to actually find a bit of a voice. Yeah. Because for years, I, um, I think when you're a child of an alcoholic, you go through phases. Um, so we were saying about the Bolshe phase, where, you know, for years I was like, I think everything's fine. <laughs> there's no problems here um and actually i don't think i ever thought oh i'm a child of alcoholic didn't even happen and then it was only when i went into adulthood work so not the dancing and things like that that i realized that i was a bit different that there was something different about me but the more then you you kind of have to unpick it a bit um so that's when i found nicoa which i know i've talked to you about quite a lot uh, about that a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, we next will. Part. Yeah. Um, so, and I did, I, I literally Googled child of alcoholic. So I was like, well, there's no help out there. I couldn't find anything. Um, and then you have to go back. And I went through the phases. I went to do a bit of therapy. I actually went to talk about my dad dying, <laughs> but very quickly. Springboard. Yeah. <laughs> the lady was like, let's talk about your mum yeah <laughs> what yeah <laughs> oh what? god why it's not why yeah here. nope and then you know so that and actually it was at that point where i was like oh there's probably some stuff i should deal with there yeah. then came the book reading you know you want to all of a sudden you want to know all about the brain like <laughs> why is this happening yeah. so i read like the the body keeps the score perfect daughters i mean you name it yeah. i was reading it and then i kind of found like a level ground where things sort of eased off a little bit and I felt quite calm and like I understood myself a bit more yeah and then there was a little bit of a healing part that I tried to do again this year when I was like actually I've just decided I don't actually need that part you know like the the inner child stuff and all that I sort of dabbled with it and I was like actually I think I've done a lot of that work myself um but if we provide more services earlier on you know, we might you get wouldn't yeah, need that sort yeah. of level in the future. We might get to a point where we have children who don't need to recover from, you know, the childhoods when they Absolutely. get to adulthood. Absolutely. So um it it's been a really, really interesting journey for me Brilliant. to get where I am now. With that, yes. We're gonna go back on the journey, mm. but we're gonna pause, we're gonna make a coffee. We suggest everybody out there. Pause your podcast right now. Yeah, go go make and make yourself a brew <laughs> because we're going to come back in a second. Oh my God, with me caffeinated. We're going to be caffeinated. Oh so if she starts to sound a little bit louder and quicker, you'll know why. <laughs> um, speak to the Nick, guys. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you've got a brew. We have because we thought we were going to need caffeine <laughs> for the next section, didn't we? It's, yeah. yeah, probably not a good idea, though, for, for me. Well, considering we're recording this late at, well, say late at night, it's ten past seven as yeah. we speak. So, so almost bedtime, really. Well, the night's a fair drawing in now. Yeah. 
<laughs> Even in the summer, it's... nine o'clock. Um, I think I'm just gonna go to bed. I love are it. You one of the, are you an early night? I am. I've yeah. been a night owl all my life. Going to, going to bed before 11 oh, no. is barely, I've got to be properly tired to do that. No, I've, in fact, I've always been the same. Really? Yeah, even as a child, I was not a problem child. I would come in, like, you know, teenager. Yeah. And be like, um, come in at 10, go to bed. But then I see you post on your socials at like ridiculous o'clock in the morning. I think that is incorrect, Mike. <laughs> no, it, no, it isn't. It must be because I am literally in bed at like, I, maybe I post before I go to bed and then you pick them up at ridiculous o'clock in the morning. No. So definitely no activity on my socials that time. Honest to God, I am dead to the world. Honestly, when I get up of the morning, I have a little sort of like scroll through, scroll, a little scroll through yeah. socials. Your mind, body balance, and your personal one are usually mm. the first. Usually, your personal one is the first one that hits. And like, there she is, up again early. Well, actually, yeah. So that's me getting up though. So sometimes I'll I'll get up and do a meditation or whatever, and then I'll share some absolutely pointless memes that make me laugh, but no one else. <laughs> <laughs> or so. that make you laugh. Make me Mike, laugh. Mike got it. Yeah. There he is. He's laughing. I knew you would. Yeah. Weird um, something to humor. You know who? who dogs and cowboy boots. Exactly. <laughs> Who does not want to see a dog in cowboy boots? Exactly. I mean, I question people. It makes the, makes the world go round. <laughs> it does. If you're not using your social media for that, what are you using it for, to be fair? Yeah, well, well yeah. Do you know what? We're going to touch on self-care as we go through the weeks, and I think every every episode is going to be touching on yeah. self-care in some way. And I know yeah. sleep, sleep for me is a big thing. And me. Yeah. Although my sleep cycle did change this year. I used to be heavily into, well, I'm still heavily into sleep. Like, I like to be in bed nine-ish. Nine. Yeah, love it. Um, All the best telly comes on at nine o'clock. No, see, I don't even watch telly anymore. Oh, okay. No, I'm a proper, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. So I just sit and read now. That's <laughs> where I'm at in my life. Come on, Mama. Um, exactly. But I, um, yeah, so I like to go to bed, but I, I used to always like sleep until quite late as well, maybe. Well, to get the kids up at seven. So that's a lot of sleep, nine till seven. I, I can't do the math. 10 hours? Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of sleep. Um, but now like things have changed and I am actually waking up. I, I wake up every day now, usually about five past five. Yeah. Then I force myself back to sleep till about 20 past five. <laughs> do it. And then I just get up because I think, well, I may as well get up. And oh, that's what I do. No, I mean, mm, my alarm clock. I mean, I use my phone for my alarm clock mm. and it has six alarms going off. <laughs> Five past, seven minutes past, nine uh, minutes past. Yeah, and even then I'll kind of like snooze. So how many hours are you getting? I'm terrible. A night? Seven. I'm still all right. I would say about seven on average. Yeah, it's yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah, and I know when I need more. I can yeah. feel it when I need more. Absolutely. And social media use, going back to that, um... But if you if you ever see anything posted and it says like two a.m., you need to screenshot because that ain't me. <laughs> so, right? Okay. No, it's if, never. It's and if it's never. dodgy, it's definitely not. Me. Yeah. Um, but it's never it's, that early. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. It's like a. In the past, people have said to me, "Oh, you should post more on your socials." You know, like your training or your stuff that you do for work. Yeah. But it it was never, and also like talk about things more. But it was never really about that for me. Like when I first started doing these things, it was just about people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I didn't see 
in fact, I still don't in many ways. And maybe that'll change now because we're talking about these things. I don't see the link as much, but I have started to since I've started to share my story a little bit more yeah. on my socials um, because I never really used to share much and I used to have a fear of sharing it out of respect to my parents, I think. I'm not out of judgments or anything. No, I never... No, because I always stand firm in my belief of what addiction is. Okay. So, you know, people are entitled to their opinions on it and it never sways me and it never rocks me if yeah. people say something I don't agree with because yeah. I've lived it. So it's like, I'm yeah. not here to change your mind. Yeah. Um, but I did not want to... <laughs> it's so complex, you know, a people's people's addiction journeys. It, it's not something that, you know, people, that thing again, they'll make a decision based on the fact that if I said, oh, my mum was alcoholic, oh, she must have had a terrible life. Yeah. You know, it's not always so, no. you know, um, and, it, and it wasn't so. I mean, yes, it was very difficult, but you'd need to get the whole picture. Yeah. And so when I do share or did initially share, it was terrifying for me um, to actually go there. But off the back of it, people would start to message me, you know, in, sometimes publicly, yeah. but sometimes in, in my DMs and stuff and say, oh, you know, I can't believe you said that, so this has happened to me. Or, um, And then the more I explored myself, you know, about people-pleasing and mm. all those traits that I picked up um, living in a household where it was walking on eggshells and things like that, the more I shared those sorts of things, people would then message me and say, how do you cope with that? Like, how do you, how have you got out of that mindset of yeah. tiptoeing around people and things like that? And that's really when I thought, actually, social media can be a good thing. Yeah, it can be a force for change when used. Yeah, when it's used properly. in the, pro yeah, when you're not sharing dogs and cowboy boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it can be great. That for me is self-care at the end of the day. It, it makes you giggle first thing in the morning. That is absolutely self-care. I'm here for you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. So let's rewind. Mm. I don't want to be, this isn't the psychiatrist's couch, although I feel we might end up <laughs> like. Start the, what are the balls that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> don't you? Not them balls. We might need to edit that yeah, bit, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, because we've seen the gesture she just made at me. This was going down a different path. <laughs> what are those ones? But you know what I mean? It's not a metronome, is it? That's the one, yeah. yeah is yeah. it a metronome? But there's some of them are balls and some of them are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, this, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists mm. will all go, it all begins in childhood. Yes. So, let's rewind. Mm -hmm. Tell me about little Carrie. Yeah. What, where does this journey start for you? Okay. So, little me. Um, so, when I look back now, I was very outwardly confident a bit of a performer a bit of a show-off yeah and I actually credit a lot of my the way that I am now outwardly you think I was very very you know social and stuff but like we discussed earlier I like to <laughs> I'm also like to sit on my own yeah for a long time yeah <laughs> you know, yeah I like who I like goodbye everyone <laughs> shut the doors we've had this discussion yeah. you like a quiet room exactly with a with a sofa yeah. and a blanket and your yes. dog and a book yes and that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And I I, oh, I don't want to say in particular about who I like, because I, I generally have got time for everyone. Yeah. But I do click with certain people. Yeah. Um, and I think that comes from my childhood. So outwardly very extroverted, 
But I actually, I think it goes back to being in the house where the way to pacify an environment where there was probably like, you know, walking on eggshells or there was a lot of anger and things like that would be to try and be funny Yeah. or, you know, everybody, everything's fine. Look at me, you know? So I think a lot of that was probably born out of that. Um, and then that carried me through. And then the dancing side of things, I was thinking about this the other day. So obviously I dance now, I'm back dancing again. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm loving. Um, I used to dance on my own a lot in the house. Now my dad used to work when, when he finished his footballing career, because he was a professional footballer. Okay. Didn't know this. Yeah. Just tell me a little bit, just a little bit of background here. Yeah. So who was, who was um, dad? Will my, our football fan listeners out here know him? Yes, absolutely. Especially if they're listening local. Okay. He's a bit of a local legend. Right. Um, so my dad was Alan Haspel. Okay. Um, and he played for Burnley, um, the A team, way back. Yeah. You know, um, I think we're talking late 50s, okay. early 60s. I've got my date track. Or maybe early, no, mid 60s, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up coming back to Northwich and he, the local teams, Northwich Vix and Whitten Albion, um, he played for them um, for a long time and then managed them. And so I always grew up. Um, sort of knowing that my dad was a little bit of a local hero. In fact, I've got all his um, paperwork from the um, Burnley, had offers from Man United, Man City, wow. you name it, they wanted him. The same sort of era as Georgie Best. Right. Um, in fact, there is a story they did go partying together in Manchester. So okay. It all came out of his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> they, they rolled a mini at Turf Moor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what a legend. Um, so, so if we head to Burnley and speak to Burnley fans, they're yeah. going to know. Yeah, I would think so. Um, when when he died, they did um, a minute silence sign, sign oh, for okay. him, um, which I thought was a nice touch. So, um, but when he'd finished footballing, he obviously had to get a normal job and he worked nights. And some of my earliest memories are being at home. Um, and I guess, well, obviously my mum was there. She would have been there. But I was very often sort of like dancing on yeah. my own. Uh, probably self-soothing, you know, you entertain yourself as a yeah. kid. Um, and and then... So we're talking here, not to give anybody away, because it's rude to ask a lady's age, but we're looking at the 80s, aren't we? <laughs> what should I say, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, 90, 2000, 2000. Yes. But... Yeah, the 80s, yeah. Um, and we lived, you know, we had a lovely area that we lived in. And, um, you know, it was nice, we could play out. It was that type of, that era, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then teenagers, still very extrovert, um, did my dancing and then obviously started to travel. As soon as I could get out, I was gone. Goodbye everybody, that was it, you know, off I went. And then that sort of carried me through to now. But back then, um, I didn't see the other side of me, I was just all extrovert. Um, although even on saying that in Ibiza, I used to go to work at night and then do the job but i always wanted to go home straight after when everyone else wanted to go out but again i didn't think about it at that point i was just like that's just how i am that's just you yeah um uh so, so were you dancing what clubs yeah, bars yeah clubs so the big super clubs over there right um and then i um auditioned to get the job of head dancer so i used to run all the um the dancers and the time schedules and if we had singers coming in like we had puff daddy coming in and things like that. Look at her yeah. name drop. <laughs> I'm sure there's a photo somewhere. Like. <laughs> um, it was it was amazing. That they they were probably the best years of my life. Yeah, without doubt. Yeah, even with the toddler in tow, because I had Reese. So you're at your so at this point you're a mom. You're married. No, 
Okay. <laughs> no. But with your... Yeah. With, 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 your, with yeah. Your, your now husband. Yeah. So um, I danced one summer, came home to work in London um, as a dancer, had a job lined up, realised I was pregnant and was back in Ibiza two weeks later. Craig didn't come back, you see, so he was supposed to just come and meet me at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and that was a fun conversation to have with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, and luckily, you know, 22 years later, so we, 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 then we moved back. And then we've been in the UK ever since. But um, I say at that point, I didn't, people actually used to say to me, um, friends who knew me, how are you okay? I actually remember one girl saying to me, like, how are you all right? And I remember um, saying to her, and believing it at that point, mm. I'm fine. You know, it, my mom died and, and that's how it is. And it's it was it's really interesting because I used to feel really deeply for everybody else. Yeah. So if some somebody was in crisis or, you know, there was a sad bit of music or something, I could go there and be really deeply affected by it. But for myself, no, didn't do it. It's like deflection. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. tell me where where's your mum in all of this? Because it's your mum mm-hmm. that really is the root of where you are now, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, she, she is. She um, was the driving force behind what I've set up, I think. Yeah. Because there were times where um, she needed help. Yeah. And my dad did try to get help, you know, for her. But she needed a level of help that just wasn't really available back then. Yeah. And um, there were times where, you know, she would have such bad panic attacks that she couldn't even leave the house. Or she tried to go with me to town on the bus and she'd have a panic attack at the bus stop and have to go home, you yeah. know, those types of things. And I remember for a, for a little while, um, once I'd allowed myself to feel and gone to therapy and and, and, and acknowledged that it was really shit, sorry for the swear, um, and what happened was not all right. You know, it was a terrible time for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that she didn't get the help that she needed. You know, there was, there was, there was no community. And actually she did go to go to, a, um, to AA because a friend told me afterwards after she died, but she was scared of having me and Alan taken away from her. Yeah. So didn't about turn at the door and never went in. So, um, you know, for me, I thought that we, we need to do better. We need to do better. We need to offer other services alongside the general, you know, 12 step and, and we are getting better. There yeah. are a lot of other therapies. We need to be looking more at, you know, why, what is there some trauma that needs, you know, dealing with. So what was she like as a person? Like, I want to get to know your mum here a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very proud. Yeah. Very proud. Very glamorous. Um, footballer's wife. Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. Kind of, I don't want to say footballer's yeah, wife, yeah. but was she yeah, kind of she a was, footballer's yeah. wife? Um, in fact, a few of her friends that used there would used to cut a dash, you know, and together, because yeah. my dad was very, very handsome. Very yeah. handsome. Um, really proud woman. And actually, looking back, a very strong lady. Yeah. Because the, the things that she she did um go through in her life um would have flawed many people and the fact you know and i, I don't say this to because very often when people talk about being a child of an alcoholic they will say things like but everything was fine you know childhood was great and we were loved and we did and this isn't about that because i acknowledge that you know there was it was definitely tough 
and it yeah. wasn't great. But in terms of, you know, fed, well-dressed, well-kept, you know. She was hitting the marker on those oh, ones. Yeah. So not neglectful. No, no. Not, not from neglectful. a not from a physical no, point of view. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Um, emotionally, yes. Yeah. But because she just couldn't deliver it. She's you know, if you're if I don't I mean there'll be people listening who who have struggled where the wheels might have fallen off. Yeah. Uh, and Christ, it's hard to to keep yourself together. Yeah. Let alone, you know, run a household, keep two kids going and all the rest of it so i take my heart off to anyone who's struggling to do that and especially with very little help yeah um especially in this day and age exactly exactly that so and we did have i think there was six months where she she did stop drinking i remember that i think the year before you know she started again and then obviously it was a slippery slope to to where she ended up um and they were the six months that i remember her as her because um, I think it is hard to get to know a person properly in the grips of addiction. Yeah. Because you're not dealing with that person who, um, you know, the true them. You're dealing with the person in the grips of addiction. Yeah. And my mum was very, very fiery, you know, and miserable. So when sober, what was she like? Hilarious. In fact, she was hilarious when she was drunk. But, yeah. <laughs> um, very, very good sense of humour. Yeah. Very good sense of humour. Um, arty, I think. Okay. So, yeah, loved creative. music. Yeah, creative. Loved music, loved dancing. Yeah. So our house was always full of music, which I think is a testament to how much I adore music yeah. now. Like, I feel it very deeply. You are a huge music fan. Oh, yeah. Just love it. Absolutely love it. And actually, one of the most important things for me... Um, when I start talking to people, you know, I love music lovers. Yeah. Those people are important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to share music with me. We can be friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, they're the things I take away from, from her, that, that that's, that's who she was really. Yeah. And um, before the addiction took, took over and, um, you know, ultimately ended her life, which is, you know, it's sad. She was 47 when she died, which, which is no age, no age at all. No, not at all. Did you ever, I kind of don't want to, I kind of want to ask, but don't want to mm. ask what your relationship was like with her as a, as a child, as an yeah. adult. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing you did an adult years for you were, were kind of, yeah. They, um, contact would, would have been minimal. I it suppose. was really, because I was 19, 19, I think it was 19 when she died. And, and I actually started traveling very young. So I was going away from maybe yeah. 17, yeah. she's always very proud of me, always. I always knew that. She yeah. would always be like, you know, done well, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. She was always very proud. Um, but yeah, it was, um, I think I went from a place of being, living fairly fearful because, um, you know, she, it was that sort of tread on eggshells type of environment to being a teenager and, and finding my own feet and being yeah. like, actually, no, this is not happening. Yeah. You know, I'm being a bit bolshy. And then but I think that's probably a normal dynamic in most households with the mum and the daughter. Part of growing up, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I was away a lot. And then obviously she died when I was 19. So if you asked me, do I know her fully? Probably not. I was thinking about this today in the car. I don't think that I... I don't think I do. You probably never really got to have an adult no, conversation with no, her. No, not the real. Uh, 
So you never even got the opportunity to, I suppose, ask why, even though why, why yeah. for someone with an addiction can be a, yeah. a silly question sometimes. Yeah. And it varies for person to person. Some people can stop and some people simply can't stop. Yeah. Um, and obviously she was the, the latter camp and just couldn't. Um, I, I do know where the trauma came from. Um, so I have that understanding of that, of that you know, um, but you'll very often hear people or children of alcoholics who have passed away or even family members say things like, I, I felt like it was, why couldn't they stop for me? You know, that type of thing. Yeah. I never felt that. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about it a lot and I still don't feel that. There's always been the kind of understanding in me that it wasn't about me. Yeah. The you question know? of why was I not enough yeah. for you to change never your behavior? thought about it. And when I do think about it, that's not how I feel. Yeah. Um, I always just understand that. Did you always feel that way? Yeah. I've never once questioned how important we were to her. Not at all. It, 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 and lucky for me that, you know, I, I don't think that's a very nice thing to live with. You know, yeah. that sort of like, why couldn't you stop for me? Because I suppose in some respects she's, she's functional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... You weren't physically neglected. Yeah. You were looked after. You yeah. were fed, yeah. clothed, yeah. you know, warm bed to sleep in. Yeah. But from a relationship point of view, yeah, not available, not emotionally available, which is which is interesting because it actually um, leads me on to so my boys. Yeah. That when I did have kids, I always said. As a little thing to myself, I would always give them a secure family home. Now, I don't mean by that that I would make sure that me and my partner never divorced or anything like that because life happens. That's yeah. not the point to it. Um, but I, by that, I meant it would be peaceful. So yeah. they would always have quiet bed at night. You know, they wouldn't have to get up in the middle of the night, turn things off, or listen to arguing or anything like that. Yeah. Because that was really important to me, having not had that growing up um, and if and if that depending on what that looked like that's what was going to happen regardless and, and I've managed that with my boys you know they yeah. every night it's love you good night you know and they they have a house that they want to be there yeah. they want to come home a safe space yeah absolutely and I think it's it's raking that generational cycle yeah because I think when we go back my parents especially weren't very tactile or loving I knew I was loved, but they weren't huggers or anything like that. They didn't like show that. it in no. that way. And I remember saying to my dad, like, why do you why do you never? And he was like, oh, no, well, my parents didn't do that with me. Yeah. And they never thought about breaking the generational chains. Yeah. Whereas I was like, this is not happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. like, we are changing this. I mean, don't get me wrong. My boys, now, if I go for a hug, they're like, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. But you're allowed to, like, teenagers, yeah, early well, 20. 21, 21 and 16. 21 and 16, yeah. Yeah. So it's that age, isn't it? Yeah. Don't um, worry, that'll come back later. Yeah. I'm, I, I always hug my mum. <laughs> yeah, give us a hug. I love you so much. And they're like, get off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get like, you're embarrassing me, mum. So that's the one thing out of everything in my life. Um, and, and actually going forward, regardless of what happens, obviously I'd like to work with as many people as I can and, and try and improve outcomes for people. Yeah. But that's the one thing I'll be most proud of is the fact that those kids have grown up with complete peace. Yeah. You know, there's there's been no... And and, and just because I guess we've been lucky. Yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying we're, we're wonderful parents. We make mistakes like everyone else. Yeah. 
but but from an environmental point of view they've had peace and if craig and i weren't getting on and there was arguments and things like that we would have split yeah. and i would have done that for that sake for that reason yeah. you know yeah and, i mean if you look at your sort of situation now then and, and it's not to judge anybody that doesn't make this journey mm. you've absolutely not become a victim of your past mm. and some people do some people become victims of the past some people repeat behaviors and fall into those behavior traps because that's yeah. what they grew up with yeah but you're one of those fortunate people that's that hasn't gone down that path probably been emotionally intelligent enough to recognize yeah i guess so no, it's a it's a tricky one. It's like, you know, the whole addiction thing. I mean, I guess you could say, me and my brother, we're addicted to exercise, if you like. So that was our path. Yeah. Maybe. So I, I, I guess, yeah, it's very individual, isn't it? And it's, and and I always look at the statistics, you know, and you're more likely to drink if you come from a family that your parents drank, or more likely to smoke. And I've looked at that loads of times and gone, why? Well, funnily enough. Why are we, you know, yeah. what is it about us yeah. that we're not that? As as much as I, because I, I kind of knew a little bit about yeah. your background. Yeah. And, and I, I say I'd purposely not asked. And there was a question in, in the... In the lead up to us actually recording this podcast and the conversations that we had, mm. one of the questions that popped into my head was, what is your relationship with alcohol like? Yeah. Or do you recognize, because I actually, I have, I have this theory, mm -hmm. it's not the drug mm -hmm. that's the problem. Yeah. Some people have an, an addiction to narcotics, some people have addiction to alcohol, yeah. some people have addiction to other things. Food, it's yeah. not, it's not the thing, no. it's, it's the why you become, what's missing yeah. that you're becoming an, yeah. uh, an addict. So, you have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Um, I mean, yeah. I know you're not an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's no, just put that out that um, Yeah, I, I do, and I always have. Um, more recently, I've started. Well, I, I'm I'm almost on the verge of going teetotal. Yeah, I did stop a little while ago, and then had some holidays. So I was like, actually, am I ready to draw a line in the sand and be like, never drink again? Yeah, and have a few cocktails, and I do enjoy <clears throat> a few cocktails with the girls. But more often than not, now I'm like, why did I do that? Yeah. Like, I don't, and I'm not even talking about getting smashed. You know, I'm yeah. just talking about the fact that it doesn't sit with me well anymore. Yeah. But there does seem to be, in my friendship group especially, there's more of us now that are questioning our relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, because it makes us feel awful. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's an age thing or I don't know. Maybe it's what happens as you get older, or maybe it is that. I think we're now. I think everybody's just a lot more conscious of their their health and their yeah. I mean I'll see I'll use the phrase again, self-care. It's important yeah. to me. Yeah. You know. Um Be a fear. Be a fear. <laughs> be, a, be a fear. Be a fear. Yes. Go on, explain this one to Trade me. What's market. A, yeah, um, yeah, we're having this now. Yeah, be a fear. So this week's episode is brought to you by Be a Fear. <laughs> So before the break, you were telling me yeah. how <laughs> fear, 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 fear. Oh, Tell me about the fear, fear. Well, oof, it's horrible. It makes me shudder just thinking about it. This is why I don't like drinking okay. anymore. That's how bad it is. So you go to bed, mm -hmm. 
and then you sleep probably for four hours, something ridiculous like that. And then you wake up and there's no going back to sleep. Yeah. You'll just have this terrible like anxiety, but it, it's not about anything. It's just your body going, mm, let's panic <laughs> about nothing in particular. See, I have bladder fear. I wake up at four o'clock in the morning after a couple of pints needing to go to the toilet. toilet. I'd take that over beer for you, Mike. You've got a couple of years to go before you go. No, I won't be drinking then. You'll be teetotal. I will. It'll be all the coffee that I'll be running there. Honestly, yeah. Then I'll just be caffeinated like now. Yeah. Um, It's not, it's not nice. And a lot of my friends have the same thing. Um, It's miserable. And it sort of lingers as well into the day. So what does it feel when you say? Like, um, have you ever had like fight or flight? Yeah. You know, like it feels like that. So it's anxiety. Yeah, it's like, it's it feels like, a... like anxiety. Um, your body's just anxious, basically. That's a new one on me. Mm, over nothing. Yeah. Um, and then it lasts sort of half the day, and I just think I haven't got the, you know, I'm so busy now as well, and like with my training and exercising and things like that, I just don't want it. Yeah. And I actually got, it gets to the point sometimes where I think there's not actually a drink that I enjoy. Like occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy a cocktail and things like that, but yeah, it's not really, I'm not a massive fan. I've never been a big drinker. Yeah. No. Um, and that was what, what was interesting about, you know, statistics, you know, statistically you're more likely to drink if you come from parents who are a drink, you're more likely to smoke, you're more likely to end up in prison or all these types of statistics. And I've always, you know, they are what they are. Yeah. And they're there for a good reason. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether I count myself lucky that I'm not one of those statistics. Yeah. I mean, I think culturally in this country, we've got a very skewed relationship with oh, alcohol. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in that, yeah. certainly growing up in that 90s culture of lads, lads, lads. And, yeah. You know, you go out and you, you, you drink. Beer boys. Beer boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do that. And there's many nights. Yeah. And I had... You know, I think absolutely. Like you, denial, mm-hmm. I think it was fine. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. But I had a, I had a, um, I think a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Right. Um, not alcoholic. No. I don't think it was, it was ever to that, but it was that British accepted attitude of binge drinking. Yeah. Going out and getting as drunk as possible. Yeah. You know, and I, there was times, certainly in my twenties, and I think even to my thirties, where I, you know, I fell down that trap. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people fall yeah. down. Where it was like a regular thing every weekend. Yeah, or... every weekend it was it was beers, you know, yeah. and you, you you'd do pints, and before you know, it, and you're justifying somewhere, but it's only this, it's only nights, yeah. you know. And I still enjoy a drink now. Yeah. But I'll have one or two. I like a little whiskey. Yeah. Of an yeah. evening, but I try and keep that to weekends because I know. Alcohol. What I, one of the things I did learn, and certainly from from again that self help uh, mm. self care point of view, was the importance of sleep. And sleep is probably my yeah, my big thing. thing now. And I know just even a little bit of alcohol, yeah, will disturb your sleep. Disturb your sleep and mess me up for the next day. And I wake up in the morning feeling yeah. wrong. So if I'm gonna have a drink, I tend to leave it to the weekend. And yeah, you know, and then have it as a social thing. And and I never look at people. And actually, I've been very lucky with my friends as well in that they obviously know my family history and um, my story, but they, you know, I, don't, I never look at them and think, well, you shouldn't be drinking or they've never had to tiptoe around me about it or yeah. anything like that. And I, I think that's how it should be because I don't, I don't demonize alcohol. I don't, I have enough understanding of 
addiction as the illness. That, because it's not yes, the alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it could be That's many other things. Yeah. yeah. If it hadn't been alcohol, it'd have been something yeah. else. So it doesn't, in that way, it doesn't affect me, but I do, I really, really want to get to a point where I do stop completely. I'm just not there yet. I've tried. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, okay, no, I'm not. And then I'm like, oh, quite fancy cocktail on the speech. But then I think to myself, why do I? You know, I do question that. Like, what yeah, is but... it I enjoy about it? Because I don't like getting drunk. I do not like losing control. I am a control freak. Oh. There's a trait. Yes. High five. High five. Um, I, I do. Rare, rare does it ever happen yeah. that I would, yeah. in, the, in the past couple of years, it's probably happened to me once. Yeah. To the point where it's like, I need someone with me, otherwise I'm not yeah. going to be able to get home. Yeah, yeah. And I, ooh. Yeah, I don't like it. I tend to get to the point like where I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've enjoyed a drink and I'm a, I am what, you know, some people would say, oh, you, you know, you're drunk. But you, I don't, I will not get to that point anymore where I'm out of control. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. I'm yeah. a control freaking all areas <laughs> of my life, you yeah. know. And maybe that comes from, from my past. I don't know. But I like what I like, you know, yeah. even down to weigh my food occasionally. As you know, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. So I, I, but I think to myself, what is it I enjoy about it? And I don't know. You know, sometimes that little like relaxed feeling that you get, yeah. you know, a bit buzzy. Um, but it's. I think if you've got a healthy respect for it, I think it's kind mm. of. Is it too extreme to go? No, nope, that's me done forever. Well, because it kind yeah. of removes the element of. Yeah. I don't want to feel guilty if. A little bit down the line, I'm I on decide, holiday, yeah. and I think. Do you know what? I'm going to yeah. make someone with me meal. Yeah. Because That's I think it. if you say absolutely never again, unless you've got an issue with the alcohol, yeah. to say absolutely never again kind of feels then when you sit down one day and go, yeah. Do I actually do? I want a glass of wine. And I have tried. Well, I say tried. I use that word loosely, very loosely. Yeah. But I have said, you know, I'm done with this now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it again. And then I think, oh, you know, I'll, I will have one. Yeah. Or I'll have whatever. So yeah, maybe I'll never get to that point where I, I don't drink at all. Yeah. So, where you are now is, I think you've taken an element of where your dad was in terms of his career because you're very much on a on a health path and have yeah. been in that that yeah. health that fitness industry. Yeah, and a full and I think you've touched on it before as well when you talk about your mum and her addiction. Yeah, I think you've even hinted or alluded to the fact that what you do now could compensate in your mind. The help she didn't get. Yeah. 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 How much of would you, would you say what you've done in the in the past in terms of your health and fitness has been driven by driven by your own addictive? Do we have yeah? Addic- I mean, do we have addictive personalities? I hear this I, sometimes, and I've used it myself yeah. sometimes. Now, so my take on it is, um, you know, and I, again, I haven't. I've read research and things like that, but it's changing all the time. Yeah. From my standpoint, the stuff that when I get involved in something, I can be all in, like especially if it's like fitness wise. Yeah. So from you know, obviously I have been doing bodybuilding, and that is by all means and an all in sport. You know, you, you, I guess you've kind of got to be a little bit addicted to the process. Yeah. Well, you have got to be, otherwise yeah. you wouldn't do it because it's so restrictive. Yeah. And my brother actually uh, started bodybuilding when he was fifteen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it did, did, dedicated his life to it for years. And he's still, I still see him in the gym all the time now. Does he compete now? 
No, he, now he's never competed. Has so he no, he, for him, that was never the end goal. He just, I mean, he's got a fantastic physique. He always, you know, he's, he's worked so hard. And I do admire that about him. Yeah. Because he, I don't want to say does it for the right reasons. Yeah. You know, because there is, I do toy with the idea of like, do, do I need to do this for my social media? <laughs> Are you just showing uh, off, Carrier. Just showing off. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he is very old school. He was doing bodybuilding before it became social media fabulous. Okay. You know? uh, which is where, you know, I've sort of, and, it, and his wife did it as well. His right. wife, I say his wife, his partner, his life partner. And so I've always grown up around it. I mean, I remember being on the leg extension in my brother's bedroom when I was about 10. It's probably why I've got massive thighs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think there must be an element of, um, when you get that into a sport, part of me does think that you are masking something, maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you why I think that now, Mike, as well. Go on, go on. <laughs> go on, We're hit me with it, go hit on, me with it. Me. So, um, I'd always been sporty and I'd always liked sport and I do love moving. That's always been a given. But I actually only went down the bodybuilding rabbit hole after my dad died and the right. wheels fell off completely because that for me was like... Well, it gave me a chance to explore what had happened with my mum because I would never have done that while my dad was alive. I didn't want to do that while he was alive. Because you said this, because you yeah. felt like it might have been disrespectful yeah. to her yeah. memory. Yeah, I think I was protecting him. I'm maybe yeah. not upsetting him. Yeah. So um, I think that it gave me a focus and it was so all in that that was, you had to be focused. And I think actually in many ways it got me through that period of like, what the hell? You know, yeah. what is life now without my dad? Um, but just recently, um, probably over the last six to eight weeks, I've had a complete shift, as you know, of kind of like focus. Something really weird happened. Something's clicked. Something's hasn't clicked. It? Something's, Something's changed. changed. Um, where I don't, I, I can't even put my finger on it, but that it, something that I'd had been my life for five years in terms of training and stuff, all of a sudden died. I was just like, not really asked yeah and I, I was i was shocked everyone who knows me was shocked and yeah. in my family like are you sure like are you sure you're just not having a bad week but i know my body and i know my mind very yeah. well so i spent a lot of time there because <laughs> this is around about the same time you come to me because you because we we chatted yeah when we first met yeah. in the in the youth club and i yeah. said lord you know what that dabble with podcasts and stuff mm -hmm. like that and he said you you've listened over scramble days <laughs> and stuff but it was around about that time we had that conversation you went, Mike, I'm ready to talk. Yeah. And not just ready to talk, you're ready to talk publicly. Yeah. About it. Yeah. About my, my past and, and everything. Yeah. Because I could see there was probably a benefit to some people just to hear how it went for me. Yeah. Um, and if that gives them a little bit of insight on, oh, okay, this that makes sense. Because those yeah. traits that we have, you know, that we pick up, like yeah. people pleasing and things like that. But it's almost like um, a good thing for me at the moment, although I'm terrified to leave bodybuilding behind. I'll never do that. I'll always be trained. Involved in something. Yeah, yeah, because I love that aspect of it. But almost like the ego side of it, yeah. if you like, um, it just seems to have dropped off a little bit. So I am sitting with it still a little bit because I'm like, you've been working to this for three years since your last show. Don't you know, blow out the water yet. Yeah, because while while we've known each other, you've been like, oh, "This is my journey. This is my yeah, thing." And you'll, down, you'll see me. Yeah. You're like even preparing us, weren't you? Feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm gonna change. Yeah, 
I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> She'll be a monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty stone one week, six stone the next. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, but it's it's remarkable actually the way that something can happen. There can be a monumental shift inside you, and all of a sudden things that you thought were really important just aren't important anymore. And I don't know whether that's because I'm doing more now with, um, you know, I'm 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 having my soul fed a bit more with work. Yeah. Um, and I've obviously got these dreams of doing more with that. Now, here's an idea for you. Go on. Dr. Freud over here. Hit me with it, not hit me. <laughs> well, I, I, I said before about sometimes the things we get addicted to, mm. whether it's healthy, unhealthy, drug, exercise, yeah. alcohol, whatever it might be, often it's there to fill a gap, something that's missing in your life. Yeah. Maybe you've found the bit yeah. that's missing. I think that's probably right. And you don't need the replacement for it anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like my body is valuing rest now. Yeah. So, whereas before that was not an option for me. Like what? I've Do you got, get rest guilt? I know a lot to? of people, like not even people yeah. who are into exercise. Yeah. I can't, I can't be sat still. Yeah. I can't be not doing anything because the yeah. guilt of just being sat and mm. just being. Was difficult. Was difficult. Yeah. And I've met a lot of people who are like that. I've had it in two different um scenarios so i've had it one where after my dad died i was so traumatized from that eight week period where i got diagnosed terminally ill that after he died i physically my body could not rest like i would sit down and i it was almost like um an electric current was the only way i can describe it i just could not come down from the stress of it and I tried coloring and you know anything to sort of bring myself down and that lasted quite a while so that was one version of it and then the other version of it is via the bodybuilding which probably masks you know is an excuse for doing it but if I have a step target or things that I have to do to tick boxes yeah then I, that's what I'm going to do yeah like, I'm, I'm, I can't sit down I've got to go and do these steps I've yeah got, but just recently, because I've had other stuff going on, and I remember I had that like massive period in August where the, <laughs> the energy just disappeared, and I was yeah. like, "I'm my social like, oh god, <laughs> like, what the taken to the oh. sofa?" <laughs> Honestly, like it was, it was nuts. Yeah, I think you said to me at one point, "Don't expect any activity on social media because I'm just, I'm, I'm going away." I from was dying. I, it was nuts, absolutely nuts. But my brain also shifted because there was no fight in me. Right, normally I can be tired. In fact, when I was on prep, I can be exhausted and still push through. Yeah. This was completely different. There was no fight in me. I was just, I just needed to be, (laughs) literally be. And I think that's what I did for maybe like, I was three weeks, no energy. And then a a week where I had some kind of weird flu and then kept going back into the gym, back into the gym. No, it wasn't quite happening. It wasn't quite happening. And actually that's, I think that's what's happened. I realized that the beauty of actually just being. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I think I had it a little bit at the beginning of the year, maybe March, when I was spending a lot of time in Wales and I had that inner peace feeling. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is lovely. Yeah. Uh, but now it's back. Uh, the beauty of just being. Yeah. And it's taken me 42 years. Together. <laughs> to, get, <laughs> to be like, you You've can. Arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know you can just sit down? Yeah. What? <laughs> really? Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing with my time now. So in the morning, which I'm sure we'll touch on this when we go, and do the healing stuff. I don't even think it's healing. I think it's just realizing that I'm all right. I yeah. can sit and I just do this thing called um, 
do nothing meditation. It's a thing, Mike. Google it. Okay. Yeah. I'm liking that. YouTube. Yeah. And it, yeah, like you just do nothing. Shut your brain off. Like yeah. you, you can observe, observe your thoughts. Yeah. And like watch them go. Yeah. But you don't do anything with them. See, this is why I like being outside in nature. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Because you can just sit and be still yeah. and listen to the birds. Yeah. And Once you've got that just calmness. Pee. Yeah. But we don't be, do we? No. Not, not now in this day and age. No. We're, we're doing all the time and a lot of us are masking stress. Well, I think we're almost being pushed into it as well because I think we're constantly being told you've got to have this quick meal because we live busy lives and yeah. you've got to do this because there's so much going on and we've yeah. never lived so busy lives and thinking that's a choice. Yeah, it is. That's a choice to be, it you is. know, you can, you can spend in that, you know, all your time in that cycle of just go, 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 got to do this, got to do that, yeah. got to do this, got to do that. Or you can just come home from work, change, yeah, go into the kitchen and have a peaceful time just cooking. And I know there's, there's people that are going to be listening to this and going, we're parents and da, 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 yeah, da. And yeah. I get that. That's fine. Yeah. However, you can make the choice to be, to empty your mind of stuff. Yeah. You don't have to binge the box set. No. You know, you don't have to be constantly entertaining. And I think that's where I've got to now, where actually it's not attractive for me to go and watch telly. I'm not bothered now. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Yeah. I'd rather be reading some books or, you know, doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't happen, you know, it, well, it's taken, as I say, it's taken me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and of course, like you say, you've got to work. You've and it's okay to have these dreams and these goals. And, you know, even at the moment, I'm like constantly plotting the next, you know, when, when can we open a hub? When can we do this and, and try to do it? But I'm also reining myself in and reminding myself that it will come in time. You don't have to kill yourself. It doesn't to be have to be there right away. No. Be, be able to, to relax and, yeah. um, you know, go, go and swim in a cold lake on a Saturday. Those types <laughs> of Self-care, mate. I'm going mole farmer on Saturday. Not sure I want to be swimming in a cold lake. Yeah. No, it's not for everyone. But it but it does take... I, want, I don't want to say rock bottom, because I don't think that's what happened to me. I mean, it was just a bizarre shift. Sometimes things just change. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a moment. Yeah. A little shift. Yeah. A meeting of a person, going to a new place, whatever yeah. it might be. And I know... I know personally and I won't talk about it now because we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it in another episode people who know me now don't recognize who I am now compared to who I was 10 20 30 yeah. years ago yeah because you get to a point where things change well hopefully hopefully you get to a point where things yeah. change we're changing all the time we aren't change we? all the time but I, I hate these things that people say you can't teach an old dog new tricks or I'm too long in the tooth for this yeah. You know, they did take themselves. I'm too old to be doing this now. I'm too old yeah. to change. You never, absolutely, you're not. never too old to change. You're never too old to learn. You're never too old to improve. And to make brave decisions. Yeah. Because it is. It does take bravery to if you've um, been that personality or that you know that's what you've built your identity around. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not for me anymore. No, it, there is part of you that's a bit like, oh, but I don't want to let it go. I don't want to let it go. But actually you do know when it's done you yeah. think no i do need to let this go it's not serving me anymore yeah i want to sit down with my dogs <laughs> <laughs> um give me my library give yeah me my dogs. exactly yeah. but um that's why with the kids on a tuesday 
we're trying to factor in some of the wellness and some of the being. Yeah. Because we don't get taught that in school. No. And it's a major, and, and funny enough, we were talking about this the other day, you know, for years and years and years, the taught physical health, physical mm. education in school. We don't turn, we don't teach mental education. No. Nope. And I think really for us to be moving forward in this, in this very different world, we need to be teaching a health model that includes body and mind yeah, yeah together yeah, yeah. because they are linked. They are linked. With that in mind, because mm. um, you've talked about healing um, and we're going to be touching on this topic yeah. as we go through the weeks doing this. Yeah. But I'm interested um, now about this work that you do with this amazing charity that yes. helps children. children of alcoholics. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that. So NACOA. Um, I did touch on them earlier, didn't I? Very briefly yeah. about how I found them with a Google search. Um, and they've got a famous patron. Yeah, they've got a few famous. Patrons. Have they got a few famous patrons? Yeah. Well, there's one yeah. I've seen you photograph with. Yeah, Callum Best. Callum Best. Um, El McPherson. Um, Vicky Patterson. Jonathan Ashworth. Ainsworth. Ashworth. Ainsworth. God. <laughs> <laughs> the least famous MP. of the group we're about to name drop. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's there's a few of them and. They are an amazing charity. In many ways, when I first found them and made contact with them, um, I think that's when I uh, realised that I wasn't alone, which sounds very cliche, doesn't it? But it's true. It is true. Um, where I was like, oh, right, there's a few of us. And we, we all have very similar traits. You know, there's variations of it, but like the perfectionism, the people-pleasing. Um, so... I did a few online Zooms with them. Um, and then I went to Bristol to um, help out one of the festivals and met Hilary, the, um, the lady who started the charity. And she was incredible. And I think she was the first person that I actually, that I probably opened up to um, about everything. And just to feel really understood and seen was huge like actually remember that for the rest of my life because it was yeah. really special i took my boys with me and they helped out um and actually when i went to parliament in february this year um she remembered it how special is that wow. how that is a real special person yeah yeah because yeah. she remembered that i took my boys as well she was like, oh yeah 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 boys came and they were working on the badge store and i think i after meeting hillary and and feeling so understood is where uh, my drive comes from to see people you know and i said before i really like seeing people and by that i mean like understanding them and like looking in their eyes and really making that connection with them because she did that for me and it was huge mm. um and so yeah i've done some walks for them and a bit of fundraising and things like that and i'm hoping to help out on the helplines um maybe just online because obviously a lot of it happens in bristol yeah. um, beyond the phone stuff but they actually um the government cut the funding um, so they need Not all the help story. they can get. Yeah. Um, so I always, always share their stuff. And, you know, I understand times are hard, but if people can, can give, to, give to Nakoa, then, you know, it's so worthwhile. Yeah. Um, but the, the work they do, you know, people call up in the 60s because you're always a child of an alcoholic. Yeah. They'll get people who, who ring up and they're like, oh, you know, I've just realised and now I want to talk about it. But they don't actually take... Um, the details, you know, some kids don't want to tell who the mum and dad are. They don't want to yeah. say what, because they're not necessarily in danger. 
No. Just need somebody to talk to. They just need a vent, don't they? They just yeah. need a shoulder to. Yeah, I I cannot speak highly enough for the work that they do. It yeah. is absolutely incredible, and I know that because obviously it's helped me firsthand. Yeah. So if if we can, you know, get more kids to speak to them, and you know, I'd love for it to. But but a lot of the time I'll go to to events and I'll and I'll talk about Nicoa and people don't know. Yeah. You know, they still don't know. It's for a, for an issue which is, I think, if we knew the the, the real oh, story God, out there, yeah. I mean, not just not you know not just children of alcoholics, yeah. children of addicts, full stop. Yeah, yeah. You know, and certainly in 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 yeah, your so. work, in my work, yeah. I encounter a, you know a lot of young people yeah. who will talk about the issues going on at home and the trauma, and it's not to make anybody out there feel guilty because people are dealing with their issues yeah, as, yeah. as best they can, but. You know the, the the trauma impact on our on our children is you know can be monumental. It's huge, and and I almost feel like um, we need. I'd love it if more of us could go into schools and talk about Nicoa, and you know, because there are a lot of us dotted around, and we we're doing this, we're talking about it more. Yeah. But it almost feels like it needs to be, I don't know, like maybe like a, a monthly assembly yeah. you know where we go in and we talk about it and we you know yeah. and we and, and in a very sort of indirect way so that they know that they can ring if they want to and, mm. and get this support um because it is like it is life-changing yeah. if you if you've got that support um but it does shock me every time i say have you heard of them and that people are like no i'm like mm. what you know because it like you say it's everywhere yeah problems everywhere and again, we'll put the links in the podcast for anybody yeah. who's listening to this. If anybody's affected by anything that we talk about, then the links are out there and we'll we'll, we'll put that in the um, in the details of the podcast. Yeah. So wherever you get your podcast feed from, you'll you'll, you'll find it on there. Yeah. Uh, please do um, search those out. Yeah, check them out. And um, if you can help out, yeah. even better. And follow Carrie as well. Mm. Carrie, <laughs> I think we're coming to an end. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going we're to have to. I've not talked enough. <laughs> I'm sure we'll just open the door to oh, this. Oh gosh, my, um, my I do love a chat, as you know. You absolutely do. Yeah. Thank you for Fair, opening up and telling yeah. your story. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been really good fun. I've enjoyed it, actually. It's not as traumatic as I thought it would be, Mike. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much. Carrie, first episode done. Yeah. And you were the star of the show. Uh, I'm exhausted. I was going to say, how'd you feel? Mm, oh, okay, actually. I was. Um, I thought that I would be more nervous about talking about those types of things. You've fretted over that little bit, haven't you? You've, you, you've said to me, oh, we'll be a bag of nerves doing Yeah, it. I did, I, because um, I'm never sure, I'm still never sure whether or not the emotions are going to come yeah. when I talk about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but actually, it felt... It felt all right, which is is a good sign, yeah. you know. Um, but then I do think it's because you're here. Testament to you, Mike. Hang on. Um, because <laughs> to be fair, it does take the right person to, to do these things with. Yeah. You know, it's not you can't sit in front of just anyone and do those things, which yeah. is why when you sent me, I was like, ah, maybe Mike can help me find my voice. Yes. I know someone I can unburden yeah. to. Because you're funny as well. That's the thing. Like, you, oh, like we. 
we we laugh, don't we? We laugh a lot. We do. We do laugh a lot. And it's lot. important. It's hugely important. I love a good laugh. Yeah. And and it's not making fun of it, but I think no. you've got to have humour, haven't you, yeah. to get it's the trauma, Mike. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the dark humour, but it's it is important. That is important to me, and uh, to be with somebody who's not going to like look at me and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want that. So it's been, it's been really good. I've enjoyed it. Brilliant. And I hope that people take a little bit from it in terms of yeah, you know, maybe looking at it and going, oh, okay, I'm a bit like that, or. Take it, find out more, yeah, explore yeah. these things. Exactly. And every week we're going to be exploring both of us together with with yeah. our different guests coming up. Yeah, who, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, there's, we've got some interesting, we don't want to do any spoilers at the moment, no. uh, but we've got some really fascinating uh, guests coming up. Yeah. All very different. Yeah. Uh, lots of different stories. Um, so for that, boys and girls, well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, where I talk less. <laughs> Get a rest. <laughs> well, at some point, I've got my turn coming up yeah. about what I'm going to talk about. Do I have to quiz you then? Yeah. Ooh. Bring your questions, right. Parky. <laughs> You're brave. <laughs> oh, God. Open the door. Exactly. Yeah. Bye, all. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Don't Know Much But. Please subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help. A big thank you to Hazel, Tara and all the staff at Safety Central. If you get the chance to go and visit them, please do. Your hosts were Michael Jones and Carrie Ann Stevens. Production was by Michael Jones. The theme music is Into the Beginning by Hartsman. This has been a Wolfstock production for the Acast Creator Network. Music